Spoiler alert, Slash Paradise encourages viewers to watch these horror films before listening to our show. Danny and Lance will go through everything, including filmmaking, dialogue, characters, and even full scene breakdowns when we get excited. Enjoy the show. Gold, red, hand, Lance, you want some Jiffy Pop? Sure don't. Sure. Third time's a charm. Jiff. Mm. Jiffy Pop. Again, same bit. Cold, red, hand. Hey, now it's officially a trilogy. Hey, hey, I did it three times. Oh, did. gosh, I didn't want to do that bit anymore, man. But you did. But the first time was really good. I really went for it in the sequel. The third time, my heart wasn't even in it, man. Yeah, well, hopefully Scream 3 is better. Because today we're talking about Scream 3. Welcome to Slash's Paradise. That's Danny. I'm Lance. It's a trilogy, baby. It's a trilogy, <laughs> slashers. Go. Thanks, guys, yes. for tuning in and listening to us. We really appreciate it. I just want to really, really give a quick shout out to all the uh, uh, consistent slashers who are here in the comments and live with us. Uh, thank you guys for uh, all your uh, reviews and such for and, our podcast. Yeah, your input and especially like our new trivia stuff on Instagram. Thanks for inter- interacting with all of that. Um Actually, I have to pay homage to our friend Edgar, who kind of said something on our last uh, in Scream. Edgar Santos Jr. Yes. He had mentioned that his first, the first film that he saw in theaters was Scream 4. For me, it was Scream 3. Mm. So we're going to talk about my experience with Scream 3 today and yours as well. Yeah. Uh, so Edgar, thank you. You kind of re refreshed that memory. And then I watched the movie again and all the memories came flooding back into me from 2000. So thank you, Edgar. Edgar's awesome, man. A uh, force to be reckoned with in the acting world as well. I should know. I was his director. So, ah. Yeah, he's, uh, he's awesome. a cool, cool, cool cat. Can't can't wait to see. All right. Scream three, Danny, a trilogy. Well, here we are. Uh, sometime. <laughs> okay. So the rare occurrence in the horror genre of a trilogy, we have seen trilogies all the time in movies. Uh, what? Uh, the start with the original star Wars trilogy, mm-hmm. right? Return of the Jedi being the third one. Uh, the Godfather trilogy. That one stayed. I don't think they've ever touched a try to make another uh, Godfather after that. Because no, now Star Wars is... A, huh? They wrote a book, but that was it. Oh, okay. Does, well, doesn't count. Star, Star Wars has then became become a saga at this point. Like It's like, all right, we're just going to keep on making them, right? Yeah. But the original trilogy was, you know, in itself. So, uh, I don't think trilogies besides this one in horror exist. No. Not off the top of my head. Uh, well, well. Maybe, but okay. So maybe we're about to get a trilogy with the conjuring. There's about to be a third conjuring. However, it has so many spinoffs. So I don't yeah, think it counts. It's right? like all one world. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't I think don't... that counts. Um, you know what I would love to have a trilogy of what trick or treat. Yeah, absolutely. Wouldn't trick or treat make an awesome trilogy. Totally. And, but, but, but I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. Okay. We're going to say trilogy a lot, and let's pray to God it's not the slash word. Um, but maybe we should, you know, do we want to jump into that right now, or do we want to just, like, talk about Scream 3 for a little bit longer? Let's do the slash word now, and then we'll get to our pumpkin spice latte and our breakdown we'll and do everything our things, else. Our, but little, our housekeeping. I, I like that you're putting slash word first. It's, I, a, I, it's a great idea, Danny. Do you want to know why I think so? Because, mm. folks, we always say... Uh, to play slash word, we say, go ahead and use a beverage of choice. Uh, because this movie, Scream 3, is a bit of a task to endure and to watch. Not saying it's bad, but I'm also not saying it's good. 
Maybe I'll, this, I'll say it's good. But anyway, <laughs> uh, maybe this might be the time that you. Eh. Really? Yes. Maybe this might be the time that you go with. <laughs> maybe uh, now you really need a drink. An alcoholic <laughs> beverage. Uh, okay. So um, we have been. You could say blessed if you're a horror fan. You could say not blessed if you are, you know, scared of a scary man, uh, person who's going to come kill you. But we in the Slashers Paradise have been blessed with our caller who is going to give us the slash word. Yes. Yeah, so Ghostface, you're on the line. Please give our listeners and our viewers the slash word of the night. Careful what you wish for. The slash word is trilogy all right i think that should do it that should do it everyone uh, fill yeah. your tiki cups and away we go uh danny you say you don't like this movie or are you saying it's just whatever i don't like this movie wow okay 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 we're gonna track back track back ask me again danny do you like this movie i don't like this movie <laughs> <laughs> I, I i think you know what i think i like what you had said originally uh it's all right it's it's whatever. It doesn't do anything for me. Okay. There are things in the movie that I remember and like and uh you know appreciate and it has nothing to do with the movie itself like like the plot or anything like that. It's weird. It's like it's like a setting and 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 feel and uh set dressing and shit like that. Like those are the things that I like about the movie. Okay. Um I just when you you, you have the op- Sydney as Nev Campbell's back Mm-hmm. And David Arquette is back. Courtney Cox is back. Yes. Cotton Weary is back. Uh, Liev Schreiber. But what I'm saying here is, is like, you've got the heavy hitters. You've brought them back. You have a responsibility. You know, you have a responsibility to to portray them in a in a wonderful and uh, appropriate what they deserve as these established characters liked. I don't think this movie did that. There's an interesting fact that we'll get to in a minute, but let's fill in our listeners and our viewers with the pumpkin spice latte for Scream 3. Scream 3. (laughs) Pumpkin spice latte goes as follows. Um, Years after the second attack on Sydney's life by a uh, person or persons donning ghost face, uh, Sydney has moved on to live in um, adjacent to the Hollywood area. Uh, where she is trying to move on with her life, living a very secluded life. And as a uh, phone operator for a, uh, I think, suicide prevention line or something like that. Uh, But of course, as things that you thought were dormant and gone and nobody was going to come back to haunt Sydney, there is a new stab movie being made. And not only are murders happening around the production of the movie but around people that sydney knew and knows and now there is a new person or persons donning the ghost face mask and attacking sydney this time around the production of stab which is the movie within the scream franchise and that is scream 3 <laughs> beautiful our breakdown for scream 3 it's released in fe- on february 4th 2000 so we've had a break from 1997 scream 2 this movie was not written by Kevin Williamson. It was written by uh, Aaron Kruger. Funny name. Wow. Uh, directed by Wes Craven again. Uh, Kevin Williamson did write an outline for this film, but uh, this writer, Aaron, uh, 
kind of went off script and started to rewrite in a totally different direction. So much to the point that Wes Craven had to kind of interject and rewrite some stuff to get back to the characters. Something that you just mentioned where characters maybe seem a little off base. Um, our budget for this film was $40 million and our box office is $161.8 million. So we're not making as much as Scream 1 or Scream 2, which was almost dead even. Uh, our cast of characters, quite uh, quite a variety for yeah, 2000. So Nev Campbell's back. Courtney Cox is back. David Arquette is back. We got Patrick Dempsey, Scott Foley, Parker Posey. Oh, yes. Steve Shriver, Jenny McCarthy. Lance Henriksen, who is the nicest actor I've ever met in my entire life. Yeah. That is the, uh, I'm, I'm, I love that I heard that. Yes. I love that that's He's true. He's the sweetest man I've ever met, um, celebrity status. And you're Tokayo. Huh? You're Tokayo. Yes. Uh, Emily Mortimer, you're acting like I don't know what that means, but I do. Uh, Kelly R- R- Rutherford, uh, Dean Richmond, um, Jamie Kennedy for a moment. Uh, Carrie Fisher's in this. Yeah. Patrick Warburton is in this. There's a plethora of other randoms that we'll maybe mention, but that is the breakdown for Scream. I like this movie. <laughs> I do. I, I think... It, it, Go ahead, please. There is, again, even bigger than Scream 2, there's a big movie feel to this. Something that you've mentioned quite a few times is it's considered a thriller in certain, yeah, on certain uh, platforms. Yeah, the way iTunes breaks it down in my genres, it's like my horror section obviously is the most movies that I own. Uh, but this one is be it is put into the thriller category. Yeah, and I I can kind of see that. I'm okay with that. I mean, the blood is cut down way down because yet again, I think this one was the one that almost broke Wes Craven with the MPAA. Uh, he sent so many different versions of this movie yet again, just like Scream Two and Scream One to the MPAA that they kept cutting it down and down and down and down, and they almost went completely bloodless for this movie. And, and he's like, what are we doing? It. You know, it was pretty close to it. I'll yeah. Say. So there's, there's that that's kind of cut out of there. Uh, so it, it just, but with a story that has been told the big movie feel, I really enjoyed it. And again, another cool opening scene. I think we take a new cotton weary, the 100% cotton but at uh, this, host at this point. Yes. Cotton weary in, in the world of the scream world has, you know, uh, capitalized big time off of his yes. uh, fan, you know, his uh, fame. I touched that. I hope I didn't ruin anything. Uh, and is now a talk show host um, called 100% Con. You're right. Absolutely. Um, but Liev Schreiber, to his own uh, testament as an actor, is a big star, a bigger, way bigger star since we last saw him in Scream 2. Mm-hmm. So um, they are kind of taking the old formula of having a big famous name in the beginning because like he shouldn't be in this movie be outside of a cameo like he's got at this point he's like churning he's got a lot of things going on Mm -hmm. so he does come back and do the drew barrymore jada pinkett smith uh omar epps uh formula of of the character he fills that void in this part in part three it's funny because it was actually his idea to do this to be the opening scene kill that's beautiful what's what's brilliant is we're going back to the time of being a horror movie fan and witnessing the the media and the interviews and everything so i remember him talking about this scene not giving away that he's going to be the first death big spoiler but um and i remember him saying like 
I'm terrified. Like he, he did not, he was terrified of scary movies. Nev Campbell's another one that does not watch these movies because she doesn't like to be scared. That makes so much sense. I, I think at one point, no, she's the same. Jamie Lee Curtis is the same. Mm. She, yeah, she's, she's like, she hates being scared. Right. So yeah, there's something to that. I think because maybe that, you know, that depiction or that, uh, you know, it's real terror that you're seeing on their faces, probably. So, yeah. And I was, so we have a new setting. We're no longer in Woodsboro. We're no longer, I mean, technically, we're no longer in the college. We're in Hollywood. Hooray for Hollywood. Yeah. So, I mean, it opens up with the, the helicopter, which to me always signifies big blockbuster for some reason. Like, you, it's like, you could afford a, a helicopter for a scene. But. I know. Um, but then I, I, I learned that there are ways around it. Like, they're like, hey, can we just film? Yeah. You know, the the LAPD, like, in their chopper. Because <laughs> yeah. not all of them are marked or something like that. Right, right. Uh, but, yes, I, I totally get it, and I totally agree. It does have a big blockbuster feel mm-hmm. to it. Uh, what was the budget again? Uh, 40? So 40 significantly mil- more than the first two. Because uh, the last yes. one I thought you said was 20. 24 for Scream 2, and I believe it was, like, 20 for Scream 1. So they've doubled their budget, mm-hmm. um, and it, and but they didn't double their return. No, not even close. Not even I think close. that's why. I think that's what left a lot of. Okay, no, like horror fans, I don't think really do care. In the grand scheme of things, maybe they do because you know the more the movie that makes, the more you know of the property you get. You know, mm-hmm. so for those of you that loved Godzilla versus Kong, uh, you'll probably get some more of that because it made a lot of money, and you know that's what that's why they made the sequel. That's why they're making this one. So as far as they're concerned. The first and the second one made buku bucks, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the second one almost on par with the original. That's amazing. Not to mention, I'm sure DVD sales and merchandise and whatnots and who's it's and what's it's galore. But this one, they said, let's go double the budget, and they didn't make the return. So I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I will venture to say that sometimes in the true trilogies, the third one, I mean, no, it is. It's true. The ones that we just mentioned, the original uh, Star Wars trilogy plus The Godfather, Mm. like the third one is looked at as kind of the weakest, depending on who you talk to. Right. Because, I mean, Return of the Jedi is is great. I mean, Ewoks for life Um, (laughs) for life. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. That was Hogan, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) But. So you're all, you're already up against it. And do you know if they set out to say that yes, this is going to be a horror trilogy? This yeah, going into this one this was this was it. And this they were it. promoting it as like this is the cap. It's a trilogy and that's it. This is the final chapter, which makes Randy's Meeks who kind of comes back. I I talked about this in the second one or maybe this was before we recorded um Scream 2, you'd mentioned like how many fans were so pissed that Randy yeah. was cut out yeah. and they were really considering because of that because Wes Craven's website had so much in the inbox about how dare you kill Randy he's like well shit I guess I gotta bring him back they almost resurrected him for this movie that he would have just survived the attack yeah and it was funny because I remember the forums I'm I'm in the forums at this time it's 2000s baby you gotta be in the forums I'm man. in the forums and I remember people making the joke about zombie Randy being in this film 
And we talked just like giving the rules as a zombie. Yes, like the trilogy. There's like it was like fun trolling back then. You know, you come up with these funny stories for these characters. Oh yeah. yeah, um, yeah. But we talked about in the second one that the original ending was ruined, so they had to redo it. So for this one, they did the exact same formula. Wes Craven uh, shot three different endings and a bunch of extra scenes, so nobody knew what was going to happen out of this until literally the premiere. I think was the first time that most of them saw it, or like a pre premiere kind of a thing. So because they didn't want it out, they didn't want it out there. And no. I remember the the hype for this movie, the big movie, the big yeah. blockbuster screen movie. Um, there was a lot of hype to it. So so this is two thousand three, right? Two thousand. Two thousand. So oh man, see that that that. I thought they waited a little bit more time mm. uh, between movies because the, the the last one was ninety seven, right? Yes. Okay, so there is there is some time between. Um, it's just like the last people who hold these movies up to be holier than thou and like put them on pedestals are the money people, are the people who green light films to be made. By that time, you're breaking down things in such a like the minutia of details. It's like. You, you don't see it for what it is. It's, mm-hmm. an, it's an artistic creation and depiction that you're almost like it, it's it is a business. I mean, you know, we're in it. I get it. I totally get it. Here we are talking about it. We have the luxury to be able to watch these movies and look at them with just the fan appreciation of it. Yeah. It didn't cost us anything. Well, I mean, you pay the ticket, right? But it didn't like cost us like to make it or anything like that. We're just ingesting it. So in a sense, there's just not going to be that level of appreciation or like careful, just care to the movie, uh, you know, because you're dealing and I keep on going like this because I'm referencing the, 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 the figure here. This is a symbol. This mm-hmm. is like the bat symbol at this point. That's why the hockey mask and the, and Freddie's glove and Michael's, you know, uh, mask and uh, so on and so forth. They're so, iconic because they're symbols you can identify with the symbols it's like they can be always somebody you can make a movie 20 40 years down the road but the you can keep the but the mask if you have it or the symbol is constant it's like nothing changed Mm. you know i don't know that's my little uh soapbox (laughs) moment i guess (laughs) i i just where this movie ends up going, I, and again, you know, Cotton Weary is the opening scene, and it's dramatic. It's dramatic in a different sense. There's just something. It is a thriller. It's not so much a slasher flick, but it still has this icon that you were talking about. I think there is care to this. I think there's a great button on our characters that we've grown to like wonder, like what's next for them, and Sydney becoming a, a call center. Um, for operator, yeah. operator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 was, I wanted to say it was like for women specifically, but I'm not sure about that. For, oh, you know, you're right. I think that's, I think I got that wrong. My bad. So that makes sense to me. You know what I mean? After everything that she's gone through, it kind of makes sense to me. She is 100%, you know, security codes everywhere. lives out in nowhere. Nobody knows where she lives. That kind of thing. She's right. kind it's, of a recluse. It's assumed that she lives uh, close to only her, her small circle of people know where she lives, which is in it's it, at this point, including cotton. Yes. Um, but real quick. And I think you kind of jogged my, cause I did, I haven't watched it as recently as the other ones, but I do know this movie is, you know, I know it the least, but I know it well enough to be able to talk about it because, you know, when when I say that I don't watch this movie a lot, that means I've watched it at least 10 times. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's the type of nerd right, I right. am. When I say I watch a movie a lot, it I don't want to tell you the numbers because they're like, get outside, get some sun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but 
the thriller aspect to it, the movie opens with Cotton in, a, in you know, <laughs> it's L.A., that's traffic, right? So he's stuck in traffic in a badass suburban. Yeah. Okay. He's getting, you know, he's on the phone, you know, he's wheeling and dealing. Back then it's like, you know, what well, he is, he's on the phone, right? He's talking to his agent at one point and, um, you know, then he gets a call from a fan and it's not Ghostface's voice. Right. Yeah. So something already is different. You're like, there, why would we care that you're talking to a random fan? Well... There are new rules to the trilogy, right? You got to up your game. If, you know, th- certain things that you expected to hear, you're probably not going to hear. So Cotton is getting a call and he thinks it's from a random fan because it's a woman's voice. Mm-hmm. And it's technically Ghostface yeah. who's using a voice changer. So he's like, I'm not, I've always been using a voice changer first, but I'm going to. Ghostface has learned the ability to capture people's voices. Mm-hmm. Like he's stealing voices of people that you would know. So like if Sydney gets a call and it's like, hello, Sydney, she's like, oh shit. Right. But if she gets a call and it's like, Hey Sydney, it's, you know, it's Dewey. What are you doing? She'll mm-hmm. be like, Oh no, nothing. Just here chilling. Cool. Where are you at? Gives you the address. Boom. Ghostface got you. Right. But kind of like Doc, Kind of like Dr. Loomis in H2O, nobody knows where Laurie Strode is except he's got the files. Ah, uh-huh. yeah. So Ghostface is like, well, I can't find Sydney, but I can find Cotton, who's right there and on that billboard and everywhere. He's right. very famous. He's really leaning into it. Um, it's established that, you know, he's a bit of a pig because he's got a girlfriend at home and he takes this call from a... Uh, you know, a fan who's got a woman's voice and end up it ends up being Ghostface. I think the thriller aspect, though, and this is where I'll button it. It's like he he knows that his girlfriend at home is in trouble, so he has to rush home. And it's that you know, is it's, it's a car it chase scene. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's is he gonna make it in time? I love the progression again of technology because now not only is Ghostface able to capture everyone's voices. But he's like installed this voice changer into the mask, which you don't really tell until the end. You can barely tell, but it is in his mask. So he's using the same voice decoder or whatever in the mask without a phone this time around. So he's Ooh. he's in the house with Cotton and his girlfriend. He's stalking the girlfriend. He but he takes on Cotton's voice to chase right. the girlfriend through the house. Brilliant! I, I, it's just this really cool. It's the best progression of the technology besides the caller ID, which made it more real. Yes. Now a progression that actually helps the story or helps Ghostface now evolve. I thought that was really cool. It's such a fun new thing to play with because now it could be anybody. And you have no idea who you're talking to the whole time. And maybe I'll give this, uh, I'm not maybe, I'm going to give this this movie credit where it's due. Um, but I will say, there's something there. In the original uh, episode for, for, for the first movie, we talked about, or I had mentioned the fear of technology also being a part of it. Mm-hmm. It's not, not it's not necessarily like, oh, I wish I had a phone, you know, for, for this situation to so I can call the cops and get away from the killer or like, you know, whatever. It's like there is a real theme outlined throughout because technology is is at the is at the crux of almost everything. There's a phone call, mm-hmm. there's a video, there's a message, or something that is being with the it's being disseminated but with the use of technology yeah so it's like there's like this idea right that like technology is ever changing you know in the hands of good what can it do but in the hands of evil it can do just as much so like i like that that theme as that as at least remained constant 
Yeah. That fear of it. But I mean, I'm going to say, I love this movie right right up to Scream 3. Because I love the cotton thing. It's so awesome. I love cotton set. Then after that, I think it gets a little too convoluted for my own taste. But that's... You're listening to Dead Candy, dedicated entertainment for the dead. Hola, ghoulos! It's me, Raúl El Ghoul. And I'm coming to you to ask you, follow me on El Instagrams at Raúl El Ghoul or in Espanol at Raúl El Ghoul. Anyway, I am the newest creature feature ghost host with the most. I know all the things of is spooky things and that's the story I'm sticking to it. If you want to laugh, you can come there too, because if I wasn't called El Ghoul, I'd be called Raul El Funny. Follow me on any Instagrams at Raul El Ghoul. Hey, when it comes to ghosts, hosts, and spooky stuff, you could do a lot worse than Raul, but it doesn't get much better. <laughs> Don't be a stupid. Be a gulo. Adios. So for you, you kind of have like an H2O take where it's a great opening scene and the rest of the movie you can yeah, kind of... Wow. Yeah, I could, I could go with that. Yeah, absolutely. Because look, I mean, I think one of the biggest betray- betrayals of this movie is Dewey's character. Okay. I, I mean, because like... Okay, so Dewey is... Uh, okay, so on each movie that's dealing with like true story um, elements or stuff that like you would need some sort of an expert on the set Mm -hmm. for instance in the exorcist which we will talk about eventually because we are um (laughs) there are priests that are in the movie that are real priests Mm -hmm. that were there on set as far as like you know they were the experts on set and uh and such so dewey has now graduated to being not is he he's he's the expert of the Woodsboro murders. So he's on set for stab. What it's stab three at this point. Yeah. Stab or three. the two. It's three. So they skipped over two. Yeah. It, it already came out and it already got yeah, mass okay. produced. You know, um, so stab three at this point and he's the expert on set. So like, I just, for someone who has been, okay. Besides, no, seriously, Sydney, I think maybe got like a scrape here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gail, you know, she took a tumble and like, you know, got hit in the head. Dewey has been, excuse the weird word. I mean, it's not weird. It's a word. It's been penetrated by Ghostface multiple times. You would want some, I, I just think that it would be someone who would be so like against glorifying the moments that he had to painfully live through that. Okay. If Gail was the expert, I'd buy it. Yeah. But Dewey should not be the expert. It would be t- so counterproductive of anything that he was stood for, my opinion, obviously. I mean, yeah, I, I get your take. I think, obviously, it was to bring that to, to light to make him maybe a possible suspect of who the killer could be or something like that. I remember the forums. We we're all talking about, is his limp going to come back? Is that limp a real thing? Uh-huh. Um, does it get better? You know, all this kind of stuff. So was it a fake? You know, like. Well, the limp is gone, right? 
it's not quite he's still got a little stutter in his step but it's much but better his, his, his arms, arms are, are better yeah yeah um <laughs> can you he's like sorry dude we've tried every sort of therapy we can't fix you right and then Ghostface is like yeah i'll just stab you again and it'll fix you oh yeah you just let me let me mess around the nerves back there well maybe that's i don't know if they make a reference maybe he had like a real surgery after scream too i don't know oh, but no, yeah well i mean it's just he gets stabbed in the back again it's like several, damn dude several times but yikes uh, and he's also the security for an actress playing gail weathers and there's played by parker posey who i after this movie had the biggest crush on first dude <laughs> parker posey folks oh. slashers out there open up your uh outside of the horror genre look up parker posey in christopher guest movies there's a connection right parker posey in christopher guest movies christopher guest married to jamie lee curtis in real life how about that but but uh best in show um uh, I mean, I there's waiting for Guffman, right. but I love Best. Her, her in Best in Show is she's hilarious, I, but I, she's also great in Waiting for Guffman. I did the thing where you see an actor in a movie you like, and then you like their character, and you go, "What else have they been in?" Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know who she was, so I went back and watched all her quirky characters and oh, all she's these great, movies. Dude. She's, I was like, "Oh my god, I love this girl!" You know, she can improv so well. I yeah, mean, that's, <clears throat> that's essentially if you ever seen the Exorcists, that's what it was uh, based off of that style. Uh, but she was in. Also, remember Superman Returns? She, you know, right after Scream Three, all of a sudden her star went, do, 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 you know, went yeah. up, and they put her in that Superman movie, and she stole the show from that terrible movie. But yikes! Um, I just love watching her in but that because yeah, she's, I mean, she's a beautiful girl. She's a great actress. Like I just like watching her, and it was cool to see her star tick up after this. But I, I loved her after this. Man, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm a Parker fan. But she's sure. hilarious. She's playing. So like everyone is like their counterpart is cast as someone. So like there's a person, Emily Mortimer's playing Sydney mm -hmm. um, and Parker Posey's playing Gail Weathers. Who's playing Dewey? There's some dude, right? I, I don't know. I, mean, I, I don't know what he is from. Uh, I know that Josh, Josh Harnett and a few other big actors were uh, considered for this role, but somebody else. Huh. I don't know. I thought he played it perfectly though. Like, yeah, he's kind of the asshole LA actor. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So in any case, Parker Posey's the only one, as far as her character, she's every time she sees Gail Weathers for real, she's like, uh, let, let's do it together, you know, because I'm I'm your double. I'm you. We're gonna we're gonna <laughs> solve the murder together. It's just like true, like I'm sure she just ran with it. It's so awesome to see an actor just kind of like never like yeah this is a bigger sort of blockbuster of a movie but you don't compromise your, what got you to the dance basically right and that's just good she's an amazing improver so it was like great to see her in those uh when her and and gail team up to like go do investigative right. work that that stuff is, is fun to see but before that she's like that quirky la actress kind of spazzy and she has she has a security guy and then she also hires dewey or lets dewey like live on her property but the security guy his name is steve stone and that was played by you know his name patrick know. warburton yes hey yeah uh, and hey uh yeah the tick hey, no he's uh, uh joe from uh family guy and, yes and um uh, the tick. So the fun, so the fun fact <laughs> that I've been wanting to share with you. Okay, you know who was considered for this role? Think of the name. Steve Stone, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yes, really. Yes. Oh, that would have been so awesome. He was highly considered and almost hired to play this role. Oh, dude, can you imagine how that would have been? All right, we're waiting here for Ghostface, and uh, <laughs> are you kidding me? That would have been so cool. Like that would have been so. But like, you would have had to see. So, 
So essentially, Stone Cold Steve Austin would have had to play a character that was that would you know get killed by Ghostface or stun him. I don't know. He was <laughs> flipping off Ghostface. Everybody get down! Hey man, that's a shoot, man. I love man. Stone Cold is is awesome. Straight up, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yes, yeah, that so is so funny. Could so, you imagine the movie with that? I mean, there were so many people that were gosh. up for so many roles in this movie that would have completely changed it. Talk about Jenny McCarthy being in this. All right, uh, yeah. From Singled Out, I love back. Singled Out. Me I too. loved Singled Out. I'm oh, like, me too. I can't wait till I'm old enough to go on the show, and I'm going to go on the show, and then Jenny McCarthy is going to be like, "Oh, you know what? The reason you can't find a date is because it's me." I'm your date. Like, that was my thing. I'm like, I'm going to be the one. Right. Right, he says. <laughs> right. Okay. Take me back to the 90s, please. I, I loved that show. Yeah. I, I watched it a lot. But um, I want to jump into uh, Lance Henriksen, who is mm. horror movie, ro- well, yes, horror movie royalty yeah. for sure, like Pumpkinhead and, and, and such. But like sci-fi of the times, he's Bishop. He's yeah, from aliens. Absolutely, he's he is an awesome. Apparently, dude, I want to I want to know about that. Oh yeah, so uh, one of my old jobs was at like a um, a special effects studio uh, resources kind of a place. So I got to meet a lot of like special effects people in in LA and all this kind of stuff. And Lance Henriksen comes in one day, and I actually had to help him out with his his order. He was actually with somebody else that was making some stuff. My God, David Arquette came in there once too, which I just now am remembering wow. this. But anyway, Lance Henriksen. Uh, so you I actually, met with a shitload of screen people. I, yeah. if, you, if you count Best Buy <laughs> okay. as well. <laughs> okay. Oh my God. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Okay. Yeah, I totally forgot about David Arquette. Lance Henriksen. I had to like help him out and his partner, and I just told him like, you know, I just thought the world of him. He was the nicest celebrity I've ever met. Like the sweetest man. That is so cool. I have met and. um just made me an even bigger fan of everything I'm that sure. he does. And, you know, just I helped him out on the on the way out. Yeah, David Arquette came in, too, and just looked like he was completely lost. <laughs> like, uh, It's not a bit. <laughs> he, was, he was very tan. I remember that. He probably wow. just came back from the Bahamas or something. And he just looked very confused and dazed. And I wasn't going to point out, like, you're David Arquette. So I just kind of. David Arquette, you know, wake up, Dewey. Did he have a mustache? Uh, he had a little facial hair. He looked very Hollywood. He, you know, he's a good looking dude. But uh, he just. I don't know what he was doing. In the there. mustache, by the way, back to the movie, the mustache has kind of evolved a little bit at this point. Yeah, man, you know? I mentioned that in the first yeah. uh, first episode about Scream. It evolves. It gets it evolves. a little bit better. His hair is a little bit better. Yeah. I mean, he's a little older. He um, fills out, and I think it fills out the mustache. I don't. I know you get on my ass about talking about hair all the time, uh, yeah. but you bring it up too, dude. You bring it up. As a matter of fact, if you guys want to go back, you talked about Skeet Ulrich's bangs before i even talked about hair did i yes it was you who started it but i don't the reason i talk about this is because <laughs> i yes i do i love i i pay attention to the whole the, you know the whole aesthetic of the character okay but we'd be remiss if we didn't mention one of the 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 things that people talk about almost all the time as far as hair choice uh, yeah what is it lance it's the bangs of Courtney Cox and in the infamous movie. bangs. Who did you find in your research? Whose idea? Who greenlit this? Who said yes? Do you already know? No, it's a perfect. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't know. You're you're the stats guy. So you may, when you're watching this film, you may notice that Courtney Cox and David Arquette have an abnormal tan, or freckles, or something. They had just come back from their honeymoon. 
because they just got married a few like a month or two before this. They go to the Bahamas and then they go right into shooting. It was his idea, David Arquette's idea, for her to get a Betty Page look before the filming of this. So she chopped the bangs for a Betty Page look. Didn't quite land. No, I, I, oh. I, I, I'd venture to say it didn't. And I hope at this point <laughs> in uh, uh, you've 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 shown the picture of the of the bangs. There it is. <laughs> uh, it was so bad that. But she's so beautiful, though. Like, yeah. Okay, great. Like the worst thing about about you is you is this like you know not great haircut, but you're still Courtney Cox. You're still gorgeous. One of my favorite things. One of my favorite stories. This came out only in the last two or three years. Is on Twitter. It's like I may be having a bad day, but I'm not having Courtney Cox bangs bad day. She responded to it like, "What the fuck." <laughs> I love that shit. I think I think uh, I don't because like sometimes that these these like screenshots is like you know did someone do that yeah. themselves? I think they did that to Chris Jericho because he posted that like picture of him like with a like silk shirt all open and his hair is all to one side with the extensions. And it was like huh? um, I, I forget, but like it, they put it was like a pretty bad like diss on him. I think they called him like a buff lesbian or something like that. And then he put, like they put that he responded like, dude, what the fuck. Um, it's funny that you, uh, another uh, fan of the podcast, and I, I uh, a slashette, one of my good friends, Minerva, a college uh, friend and a fellow classmate of mine, uh, sent me right before we started doing this uh, episode, sent me a Instagram from Courtney uh, Cox's Instagram, mm-hmm. uh, coincidentally. And it was, she's got the bangs. I think she's got like a wig on or something like that. Uh-huh. And like ghost faces behind her. And you can see it if you're on her Instagram and she's like, not the bank. So at this point, she's like, it's she's meta at the sense of like she's in front of it by now. Dude, I mean, there's so many details in this franchise. There's like three. I think there's a segment in each movie where she's kind of meta and she's bringing something out from uh, the real world, like from the, the real, real world, life. like yeah. uh, her nudes leaking. Oh, yes. I was on the second. I believe that's in the second one. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, those aren't that's my face and Jennifer Aniston's body, I'm which is sure hilarious. Jennifer's got a kick out of that. Yeah, because they were on Friends together. And, you know, and then this one has another one. I forget which one it was, but uh, there's like a real world uh, tie in tie in yeah, every yeah, movie. Yeah. And it's so funny, especially when you live in that time. Well, it might be them, right? Cause they do, they, they don't get, they're not married yet. Uh, as far as Dewey and, and Gail, right. Uh, they're still, yeah, there's a tie in at the very end. Once, yeah. once they, once they do get engaged. Um, but let's, uh, let, let, you know, I mean, I do want to definitely gush again. I want to be on record. I want to be on record here in the slasher's paradise to say that my favorite scene in the entire movie of scream okay. three is definitely the cotton opening scene. I just, there's wow. something calming about Liev Schreiber's voice and you know, the idea that he really, le- it's, 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 it's in the eyes. Maybe I'm seeing too much of saber tooth as well in him, you know, because, uh, X-Men or X-Men. Wolverine. Yeah. Uh, uh, you, you know, there, the, there are a lot of good scenes in this as far as deaths go. Steve Stone and, and you know, he's this big Patrick Warburton trying to like protect somebody, but um, a lot of good stuff. Yeah. I, I love the Hollywood aspect. I really do. Uh, especially with where the movie's gone. We've gone from Woodsboro. We've made a movie about it. Sydney was becoming an actress and mm-hmm. doing the whole theater thing. And that was a big aspect. And especially the final showdown was the theater. Now we're going to the movies. And I actually love that aspect. They make so many jokes and tropes about Hollywood and some not so great and some 
that are hilarious. I mean, Jenny McCarthy has one where she talks about being a 35 year old playing a 21 year old. She was actually 27 playing a 35 year old that's playing a 21 year old. So there's all these little like, you know, funny like moments. And I thought the whole franchise has had that where it's just kind of brilliantly written and has a commentary about almost everything. And, uh, the, the detectives in this, uh, especially Kincaid, I thought it was a really fun, cool character. Uh, he's the obvious one that you're kind of supposed to poke at the whole time, thinking it's him. I think that's what annoyed me the most about McDreamy. Uh, McDreamy. <laughs> it's uh, Patrick Dempsey, who, you know, is is fine. Like, the the the, act, the, the man, Patrick Dempsey, is, is a, an accomplished actor. He's well, you know, capable of portraying stuff. I think what annoyed me so much about his character, uh, which in the sense that maybe I did maybe they did their job was that he's obviously the guy that you're supposed to suspect, but he does so much of the suspecting that yeah. it's annoying. I'm like, no, no, don't point at me. I'm pointing at you first. But you're he's the a detective. Point. I understand. But it's like, as, as you're watching it, you're like, don't stop questioning Dewey that way. Mm. Like, he, cause he's such a dick to Dewey dude. And I don't like that. Cause like, you know, soft spot for Dewey and stuff but at the same time you're such a good detective why don't you solve the murder or solve the case but of course you have to romantically link your lead character always for some reason I'm rolling my eyes because it's not necessary but there's like a little bit of a thing right it's like hinted at between King, uh, Detective Kincaid and Sydney. yeah yeah right I mean I don't know. it's not it just it, it didn't land for me that's me personally I think I think what happens is that you're so concerned with introducing so many more characters. Yeah. You decided to kind of put your main characters in the back burner. Does that make sense? Kind of. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I say kind of because a um, couple things happen with this for the production, but I want to get to Kincaid real quick. He's new to an old situation. You know what I mean? Like you yes. got Dewey, you got Courtney Cox playing, you know, Gail Weathers and Sydney kind of being back in the mix. You have this old ghost face. He's the new detective to the old crowd. So it kind of makes sense with some of those scenes and some of that dialogue where I'm like, of course he's going to suspect everyone. Of course he's going to point the finger. What happened with production on this is they actually didn't write him into the third act. He just drops off and they're like, oh shit, we got to put him in there. Yeah. So the scene at the very end where he kind of comes in, you're like, oh, oh, maybe it is him. Maybe it really is him after all of this. That was kind of like a last minute, like, oh, shit. Like, we kind of forgot about this character that we had been building up the whole time. That's lazy, Lance. It's lazy. Like, you have to know where where you put the things. You know, you have to know where all the chess pieces are. You can't just be like, oh, shoot, I had this king or whatever chess is the whole time. And another piece of that puzzle was, unfortunately, Nev Campbell's contract was she could only shoot for like 21 days. So if you've noticed, there's not a whole lot of Sydney. No, I did notice. Of, you know, the screen time and all that kind of stuff. So you had to write around that. So it's yet another piece of the puzzle that you got to like adapt to. This is more so the Gale and, uh, or uh, Parker Posey and Courtney Cox. I feel like they got a lot of screen time. Yeah. And Dewey, of course. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. I agree. And but, but okay, so that's so uh, enjoyable for me. <laughs> I mean, no, it's great. You mind? I mean, like everyone, there was like the buddy cop uh, spinoff of Gail Weathers and uh, what? What I keep on? What's Parker Posey's character? Her, her character name? I think it's uh, Christine or. Um, let me see. But 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 what they say is like there was a natural chemistry there because right. Jennifer, yeah, Jennifer Jolie, Jennifer and Gail. Um, but it. But anyway, all that to be all that to be said. There's like 
rules, of course, to these movies, right? We, we, we're back to the rules, of course. Rules of the original about how to survive a horror movie. You can never drink, never have sex. We all know those. Okay. For part two, there were new rules. For a sequel, horror movie sequel, right? There were rules to follow. There are now trilogy rules that Randy posthumously, I think I said that right, with the lift, uh, introduces via a tape that he recorded um, before he died, which is like, thank God they put Jamie Kennedy back in. Yeah. Because he's, uh, it's like, this is your fan favorite. You got to have him in. And it's like, I think, you know. Uh, he's so important to the franchise. He's like, a synonymous with the Especially one, two, and three. By far, you needed him just you, as much as as Sydney is uh, to to a certain degree. Like mm-hmm. this is, he is the staple. Yeah. Um. If I can compare it to something a little bit more recent, it's like when, uh, spoiler alert, in the at the end of the first Insidious, when you, they got rid of Lynn Shay's character, and they're mm-hmm. like, oh shit. We like her. How do we, you know, how do right. we keep her? So it's like you make big, you know, I don't think he needed to die in part two. But anyway, he's here in part three in a tape that was brought by his sister. Yeah. Oh, it's so it's cute because like she, you know, she's like a Woodsboro, you know, local and she knew she knows Dewey and she knows. Oh, hi. We and miss she, you guys in Woodsboro, I, which is cool. It brings it all the way back to the first one. And the fact that the town is still there, you know, like that's a rule. Right. What is one of the rules? We're bringing back stuff. Not like it's almost like they will reference the sequel, but it's more about the original yeah. stuff from the original that they're bringing. It's like a it's like a hopscotch. They're just jumping part two. It's like one and three are supposed to be connected more so, mm-hmm. which is what it is. Right. So what are some of the rules? Uh Supernatural. The, the the killer is supernatural. Shooting him, stabbing him won't work. Won't work. You're going to have to blow him up, cryogenically froze, freeze, freeze his, his head, head, and send him into space. Yeah. Right? Which is like, I think, all of Jason X. Um, Pretty much, yeah. And blow him up. Uh, people who you thought would cannot die can die. As, as, as Randy references in the video, he's like, I died. Which is it's like so like ugh, creepy. He's like, hey, if you're watching this, I'm dead. But like, he's like, this is what I know my part is. So it's like, yeah. you know, it's very heroic of him in the sense. He's like, I'm going to, yeah. you know, this means I can't you, help Sydney. You, yeah. You know, so, so even our main, our final girl can die in this movie. That's part of the rules. And then the other one was the past. Right. The can past, come back to bite you in the ass. Which, which like. Jamie, I don't know. Didn't you say that 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 was like a, a crap load of footage that they have they had of him? Yeah. So I mean, we we kind of talked about it in Scream Two because of uh, it being spoiled and not wanting to let any of the actors know what was going on. They shot just tons of different footage. So Jamie, Jamie's, I was gonna say Jamie Lee Curtis, hey. Jamie's, uh, Jamie Kennedy's, Randy's footage in this is only about three minutes long overall. Yeah. It, I think they had about two or three hours of actual footage that they shot okay. with Jamie Kennedy. And then they like spliced everything together and cut it and all this kind of stuff just to throw people off. Just tons of footage. I mean, you think about the budget. Yeah. It's probably way up there because of all the reshoots and rewrites and all this kind of stuff. I'm sure. But it's also like in, in this video, it's always stuck with me. This part is like he says the final rule is about the past coming back to haunt you. Whatever you think you know about the past, forget it. The past is not at rest. Everything that you know about the past, forget it. I'm like, why are you saying past 40 fucking times? But anyway, it stuck with me just because like, okay, they're driving that home. So past, past. So you got to think about the past, right? Um, which is you're going to learn if you watch this movie, 
right into the story and history of Sydney's mom, Maureen Prescott. Maureen Prescott. We know more about her. She got the My Girl 2 treatment, right? What? I thought that was a reference everybody got. What? And My Girl, right? She doesn't know who her, her mom died when she was young. And in My Girl 2, she's older and she wants to go find out what her mom did. And she finds out their mom was an actor in Hollywood. Oh, that's right. I yeah. forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. Wow. All uh, right. So, you know, we find out that Maureen Prescott, before she became... Maureen, before she became Prescott, was an actor in Hollywood. Rena Reynolds. I know, I know. And and yes, that's her name, folks. It's just that I, uh, this movie does, uh, it's still being made by Dimension. And I have to mention Lance, I'm sorry. But uh, it's still being made by Dimension. And what sucks is that there are uh, Hollywood tropes that are disgusting and horrible that they do touch on and they talk about. And they... Uh, it's central to Maureen what happened to her as an as a young actor, which is stupid and fucking shitty and happens still and too often and it's you know gross. But what basically Lance Henriksen's character is basically the Harvey Weinstein of that, you know, the movie world. But you know, he's like the producer who uh I think at one point um Parker Posey's character, Jennifer, says, I did not sleep with that pig for you know to be to die or whatever, right? Like mm-hmm. she's talking about her role. Um it's revealed that Maureen may have done and been put through some really bullshit, heinous acts yeah. that happens to young actors, actresses especially, uh in Hollywood, and then you know, moved on and 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 went and started a life in Woodsboro. Uh, but yeah, that's all uncovered through this Hollywood depiction of this, this Hollywoodified depiction of the movie. Yeah, so that's definitely happening in that we get to meet a person who's going to be important. The director of the new stab. What's his name? Roman Roman. What's his Roman? Did you uh, Foley. Uh, yeah. Um, Cause I haven't seen him in a lot. Else. Scott Foley. This is actually his debut film. Actually, I I probably have seen him in stuff. It's just I don't recognize. He was him. in Grey's Anatomy with, uh, um, with Patrick McDreamy? Dempsey. Yes, Mick was Dreamy. he was he a, a Mick a Mick? Was he Mick Mick Muffin? No. Anyway, let's continue. <laughs> so Roman, who is the director, he's a young director. He kind of reminds me of like a, a Quentin Tarantino. He's kind of like trying to put. He's trying mm-hmm. to put that character's trying to be like that. That's what they're trying to depict of him. Yeah. Um. But murders are happening, Lance. Not fake murders like in the stab movie. Real murders are happening. So what has to happen? They have to shut down production. Right. Um, what I love about the production of this is it's like a big throwback to Woodsboro. So they rebuilt the original sets from Scream into an actual studio in Hollywood. And this was Wes Craven's idea. This was not written into the script ever. He had uh, asked for this to be paid for and done to throw back and tie in heavily more so like you said to scream one versus scream two he wanted that so there's this great chase scene with nev campbell uh sydney and the new ghost face through the sets which is so cool because you play back it's almost identical to scream one the chase scene from the front door up the stairs and then she kind of remembers some of the old tricks from her real house, her childhood home. So there's some really fun stuff going on in there. But also where she thinks a room is going to be is just a facade and it's a fake door. She almost falls and kills herself. Right? Yeah, yeah. But she also used that to her advantage when That's Ghostface right. goes falling through into another room. And you actually, it's cool. Like, I love movies like that where they show how Hollywood kind of works. You get to see a set may look a certain way and then there's nothing behind that door. And I, I just really dug that kind of stuff. I think that's what's so impressive about 
about good actors and how they can portray stuff is like if, if you know if, if they you know do a, a convincing driving scene or like it's like you've been to the back lot of Universal you've yeah. seen like you're like oh and the outside it looks like a full building you go in and it's like plywood and stuff it's yeah like you just gotta you know you have to uh, or like any of the when the Avengers are all wearing like green you know screen or yeah. like green like you know uh, mocap suits and I'm like how can you take that seriously and they do they kill it you know that's yeah. what a good actor does yeah it, it, but it's cool for the movie I thought it was the perfect yeah. setting for what the franchise has been about to this point usually we talk about with horror films like small town setting is so uh, synonymous because that's where we come from and we mm -hmm. we connect to that but this one has progressed from small town to big college to now Hollywood. And I actually like it because it fits the story so well, I believe in what they've been trying to tell us this entire time. These, well, you know, I'm paying homage to Hollywood and horror films and all this. So yes, yes, you're absolutely right. Like talking about, you know, but the, talking about the past, let's talk about the past in the past. Uh, Billy, what does Billy Loomis say? She's like, uh, when, when, uh, Sydney says, you know, but Billy, this isn't a movie. He's like, of course it is. Sydney. This is all, one big giant movie. That's not it, but yeah, you're jig, 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 Jake Gyllenhaal movie. That's what he says. Is it? Yeah, he says like it's one big, one great movie. Yeah, and one big movie yeah. or whatever he says. Uh, but wouldn't it be proper that the culmination, which is supposed to be the third one, which we end up knowing it's not, but anyway, the culmination is like it has to be about the movies. Mm -hmm. It's it. Yes, yeah, so you're right. Absolutely. Whatever. You, what, what you said. So one one fact I haven't brought up was before this movie was written, they contacted our boy uh, Matthew Lillard to come back. Shut up. You know that he was in Scream Two for a cameo. He was in a party scene. He's you know just there. So the idea for what Scream Three was going to be was wait that like a flashback. Or like he was in he, there. he was like an extra in a party scene in Scream okay. 2 in the, the frat house. That's fun. Another fun tie back, I got to say really quick, is Sydney the entire time is wearing Derek's yes, necklace. I did, rec I, I did like that. I want to say that it was one of the only real tie backs to, tie backs to, the, to the two. Yeah, project. it was such a... There's like I love the the soundtrack to this. There's more emotion to it. And I think it really plays with Sydney's character of... of I like it because it, it matches the movie. It matches Sydney's story a little bit more. So when she's wearing those that necklace from Derek, her boyfriend, who she didn't know she could trust, but in fact she could, and it was a good guy. Um, so you notice she like she'll tug on it sometimes when like she's yeah. trying to do or say something, yeah, uh, non verbally. It's beautiful. such a cool acting moment. I'm ah, so glad it. I was stop saying there. stop saying good things about this movie. You're gonna make me come around and like it, and I'm not. Thank you. Well, okay. So the original concept was for Matthew Lillard to have survived the TV to the face, be in jail, and orchestrate all these like uh, I think it was like high school kids to go after Sydney with the ghost face mask and all this kind of stuff. Um, and the original opening, they didn't film it, but it was Sydney being attacked, her and a friend being attacked by Ghostface, who turns out to be uh, a high school kid playing a prank on her. So I don't, I don't like that idea as much. The Stu Mocker is a little interesting to have him in jail and kind of have him come back and I mean, orchestrate I something. But um, for the time, two thousands, uh, a lot of high school bad stuff going on not going to get specific but oh, sure, sure, sure that's why it was scrapped right away well here's the thing um i do like the idea that it's kind of circled back even with the new scream coming out of the idea that Stu mocker could be alive and even he uh matthew literally in his twitter was like you know only a tv fell on his head yeah i mean you can hear him whimper too i mean there was still something left yeah there's there, still though. something there and i guess what you can 
I, I think the only drawback is like he wasn't the mastermind. Yeah. Billy was a mastermind. So it's like you only bring him back because he's Matthew Lillard. Well, give him 20 years to mature and think about his actions. Well, what are we at? 20. It's the 25th anniversary of this year. This year? Right. 96 the- to two th- uh, 21. Do the math. No. 21 plus four. Okay. Now what? It's 25. It's the 25th anniversary of this year. Oh, cool. Hey. Math. <laughs> oh man. Okay, so so the movie is definitely really um I mean there it's put it's not so much I mean, yes, yeah, she Sydney does get at- attacked and, and chased and stuff, but it's putting her through the emotional ringer. And just imagine for one second that you are Sydney in this sense. You know about your parent for so much like this is who you know. Like this is my mom, this is what I know about her. You've had to now, post her death, you've had to realize that not only was she not a saint, mm-hmm. uh, but that she had a completely different life before you, you know, before she married your father and you all happy and you happened. Yeah. So it's like she's being put through like, geez, God, like, what else can I be put through? So she's learning a lot about her mom. And uh it does kind of culminate into a situation where, of course, people are dying left and right. And, you know, some of the murders, you know, like you said, they were uh, they almost went bloodless. I think mm. that's what I think there is a a very streamlined sort of feel to this movie. Why it didn't get as much of the um, it didn't get as gory as like and we're talking about like Steve's entrails falling out of him in the original. Now mm. we're like, you know, here to where it's like gunshots and stuff and yeah it's like a little more streamlined uh but we do uh come to this culmination where you know the movie's been shut down and the actors are kind of like you know around and then you, you suspect some of the actors to be the killer you know and emily mortimer who's playing uh sydney's character in the stab movies uh you know, she there's something wrong with her too. You're like, mm, you could be the killer. You well, because she does that that transition. You know, she's this very sweet, like, oh, I'm just lucky to be here. And then she kind of starts to turning like on people. You know what I mean? Like her. She was the one that said, "I didn't fuck that pig, Roman." It wasn't. It wasn't uh, Parker Posey. It was. It was Parker her. Posey got with Roman, the, I mean, but, the director. Uh, yeah. Yes, uh, I know. Yeah, the line you're saying you know I mean? was actually yeah. Okay. Um, but she does the turn. She does the yes. turn that Cotton kind of did, and she does. You know. There's she's this very sweet innocent girl and then all of a sudden she starts to kind of turn on people and so so she's uh, suspected is what we're saying yeah. okay so the movie's been shut down but you know there was going to be a big rap party for it Birth, uh, birthday party for Roman and slash uh, birthday party for Roman and it was going to take place at uh, Hillcrest Academy what <laughs> <laughs> folks. Here's a little bit of not fun tidbit. Uh, I love the ending setting so much is what I said. I like things that I take away from this movie. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, I love this house. It's a mansion basically. And there's a pool and there's a deep, you know, great halls and apparently like, um, uh, trap doors and such like that. And then I'm like looking at, it, I'm like, huh, this thing looks really familiar, but it's not, it's not Hillcrest Academy, which is, I think, is what uh, it's called in Halloween H2O. The school where Halloween H2O takes place is the same mansion that the ending of Scream 3 is. Mm-hmm. The same setting. But they just shot it better, as Lance pointed out to me uh, earlier. Yeah. Uh, they shot it way better in, in Scream 3. I'll, I'll give them that. Because it looks so cool. Yeah, the cinema photography in this just made the place look so much better. They added so much. Uh, 
it was really creepy and you got to see all these new corridors and all this kind of stuff. Like it was just a really, really cool setting for a Hollywood movie. I thought, you know, and the killer's kind of coming out everywhere. Like the killer and ghost face always seems to know all the doors and have all the tricks and all that kind of stuff because it turns out it's Roman. It's Roman. Roman has been pulling the strings the entire time. Not only has he been getting people to do things by, remember we said in the beginning, he's voice changing the shit out of this movie. He's telling uh, Gail to go to do different things with Dewey's voice. Uh, She told, I think it was either Kincaid called Sydney or somebody to get Sydney there, right? Mm -hmm. It was Kincaid? I believe so, yeah. Anyway, he's, he's a mastermind. And it's Roman, but you're like, okay, it's the director. Okay, that's dumb. <laughs> well, here is some huge... Got to bring back the past. You got to bring back the past. The past is not at rest. We talked about Maureen Prescott, unfortunately, doing and having been done stuff to her that would um, cause her to become pregnant. Mm-hmm. And she did give birth to Roman, who is Sydney's brother. Long lost brother. Half brother, obviously, but yep. yep. Sydney and Roman are brother and sister, and that's the big reveal. You got, he is after Sydney because she got the mom's love, like, because she'd abandoned him. Yeah. Right? She put yeah. him up for adoption or she abandoned yeah. him. And he went knocking at the front door. Hey, mom, it's me. And she shut him out, said, Maureen or uh, Rena is your mom, and Rena is dead. Let's just talk about Maureen Prescott for two seconds, can we? Can we? What a bitch. Like, honestly, not a good person throughout everything. She's yeah. an adulteress. She, you know, gave up the, the her, her, her kid. I'm not here to pass judgment and shit, but like, good God, woman, the past of the, the sins of the father sort of thing. Everything that she has done has been to fuck up Roman's life. You know, you know, because he went psycho. But like poor Sydney, she's like, I, I thought we were cool. Yeah. And, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, Maureen didn't ask to be murdered by Billy and Stu. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying, and I'm not talking about real people. These are characters, okay? Don't come at me, folks. <laughs> um, but uh, what am I, am I out of line? No, uh, but uh, it makes you think it's like the butterfly effect. Like it didn't only go to Roman and Sydney, but it messed up Billy, and which translated into Stu and Roman, who apparently orchestrated everything. And Billy's mom, you know, like yes, it just trickles, your choices trickle down it's a trickle and, down effect. and that, that's kind of, I guess the moral of the story there, there's not really anything redeeming about Maureen at the end of the day, which is so sad for Sydney because she has to deal with her mom's life yes, and yes. her choices. And that's why that, that the sins of the father thing is like the thing is like, you know, your kids are the ones that are going to pay for the, the things that you do today. I mean, I guess the the redeeming quality is that she was broken by Hollywood when she went out there and was yes. treated a certain way. I, that Absolutely. is the redeeming thing. Is, I understand it was just a that. fallout from that. So Yeah, I get that. I see if I look at you, you know, I see, I see you and I'm I'm reminded of what happened to me and I get it. You want to you know, so like I can get that. I can get on board with that, but like, you know, it is. I mean, it is what it is. But like, you know, what a revelation, what a reveal. But here's the thing. I think the payoff or sorry, like Roman is choosing to do this to Sydney because because and I'm going to get you for for the life that you stole from me. And he's like kind of like laying into her and, and Sydney's like, 
Here we go. She like rolls her eyes at him. She's like, oh, I'm tired of this bullshit, man. Like, you're fucked up because you're fucked up. Like, don't blame this shit on me. It's like our opening of this episode. Exactly. (laughs) Here we go again. I have to listen to another soliloquy about why you're doing this and why I'm the reason and all this other shit. Boo-hoo. Yeah, and it's a big boo-hoo. And Roman's like, no. (laughs) No. How dare you? (laughs) This is my moment. Yes. This whole thing was orchestrated by me and you're taking it away from me. How dare you? So. Uh. I, I, I kind of, and he was going to play, he was going to kind of do the cotton weary thing where he's like, I'm going to take credit and be the, the survivor from this kind of a thing. And yeah. you snapped and I survived. So he even had more motivation and more, you know, to, to build off of uh, killing Sydney and everyone else. But as far as the rules go and, and, you know, obviously Sydney, you know, subdues the killer. Um, and uh, there's a touching moment because she's like, well, you're still my brother. It's kind of, you know, Laurie and Michael. Yeah. You know? And I actually like that scene. Like they they do the handhold and there's a close up of the two hands. And it's like after everything she's been through to hold the hand of the person orchestrating it. I dig it. But not just the person, which is, you know, Roman aside, he has the, the costume on. Yeah. So she's yeah. holding ghost faces hand yeah the with gloves and everything like, so it's like there's like there's you know there's some symbolism there um it's like uh y- you have been the constant wh- whoever's under this mask or under this costume it's it, uh, it's almost irrelevant because you this face this figure has mm-hmm. been the thing that has shaped my life yeah yeah I, I thought that was a great little bow to put on it obviously roman comes back and we got to there's a one good trope at the very end of this where Dewey's just lighting him up bullet after bullet after bullet after bullet after bullet. Well, and, he's, and he can't kill him. Yeah, because he has. we've established that he's wearing a vest. Like he, he yeah. knew he's going to get shot. He took a few rounds in this movie. But finally, suddenly he's like, the head, Dewey, the head. And he's like, huh? Oh. Shoot him in the head. Bang. And there's yeah. the, there's our supernatural. I, that is, uh, man, I did. Yeah. that what, what we, But then again, I think, again, with everything, all the chips on the table about like how you're making points about that. Okay. The rules are that the killer is going to be supernatural and stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you've already said that this guy is going to, or, or, you know, the killer is going to be able to withstand a lot, but they had a rational explanation as to why, you know? So like, whereas Jason is just like, he's taking all these shots. He's just Jason. Jason didn't have a bulletproof vest. They're like, the reason this person is able to withstand a lot is because he's taking a human approach as to why it's like i have a bulletproof vest so you can't kill me you know what i'm saying yeah uh there's another fun fact when at this very end scene uh sydney plays like a little loop-de-loop and gets away from roman in this like vaulted room kind of a thing where you know you screen movies and stuff like that so she's behind the bar calls him and then she comes out and stabs him in the back i don't know if you remember this yeah she stabs him in the back and he yells out this oh that was real because <laughs> Nev oh my gosh. missed the padding on his back and actually jammed this thing into his flesh. So his scream is actually real <laughs> in this moment. Oh my gosh. Yes, yeah, wow. poor, poor guy. And they, of course, kept that cut. So I mean, not that this is like the only movie I've ever seen in my life, folks, but Ray, uh, Linda Blair saying it burns, it's burning me is because it was really burning her. Yeah. And uh, when uh, Regan, uh, sorry, uh, uh, the mom gets pulled down to the ground after the slap and she like, you know, oh, yeah, grabs her yeah. neck. It's cause she was, re- she was yanked really fucking hard yeah. and that she was in real pain. So like a lot of those things make it in because it's like, there's no substitution for 
good acting besides realism you know what i mean yeah um, so it was a real that's cool that's cool i yeah. like that i like that i think i i think i've given you a, another stab to put on this one i think yeah. you like it a little bit more after our conversation well, today because I've, yeah i've never really uh, scream three is the weakest of all of them in my opinion um and i know it's not your opinion because mm-hmm. we're you know you've, you've kind of alluded as to which one that you don't like out of all of them yeah uh but you know, there is definitely some things that I will always remember with this movie, particularly, uh, you know, the fact that Stone Cold Steve Austin could have been in it. Yeah, <laughs> what, what a, a great, <laughs> great piece of trivia. Wonderful. dude! <laughs> what a missed opportunity as well. Hey, Dewey, get your ass out of the pool, man. Hey, how about some beers? Oh, man. Hey. I, I wish these <laughs> movies could be produced in an alt like anybody out there that does 3D animation and all that kind of stuff. Start making these movies. Like, give us the alternate versions, please. Yes. We'll, we'll hire the voice actors ourselves or we'll fan, you know, fund it or whatever. But please, I would love to see these alternate versions of movies actually portrayed somehow, even if it's animated. Oh, it'd be perfect. You know, it's like, hello, is this Steve? Yes. <laughs> What's your favorite scary movie? What? What's your favorite scare? What? <laughs> All right, I'm hanging up. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, so much gold there. Uh, uh, so I really like this movie, Danny. How many stabs do you give Scream Three? I will tell you this: it was originally going to be one thing, and you have changed my mind. You have yes. generated yes. a half of a stab. Yes, yes, so yes. I'm going to give Scream Three. Three and a half steps. I'm giving it a four. It's on par with two for me. Not on par with one, of course, but it's up there. I love it. I love my experience in the theater. Uh, it was another one of those top five movie right. theater experiences, but I still love watching it. <clears throat> what I will say is the movie as on its own, not great, but for a trilogy for the end of their story, especially Randy's, this is the end of Randy's story. Um, I really enjoyed it, and I think it was a great button on a lot of storylines introduced from Scream 1. So I gave it a four. And you right. give it a I, no, I, three I, and a half. Three, three and, and a half. half. I was going to be a three because, I mean, but that's just like middle of the road. It's like, you know, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I think I think uh, it it didn't stick the landing, but as it turns out, as you all know, it wasn't the last one anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, that's Danny. I'm Lance reminding you to lock your door, bolt your windows, and the past is not at rest. <laughs> and join us next time for Scream 4 in Slash's Paradise. Hey, Randy, what are you doing on the TV, man? <laughs> hey, did you hear anything you like? Thanks for listening to Slasher's Paradise tonight. Did you know that you can watch our podcast? Where? YouTube.com. If you go to YouTube.com, look up Slasher's Paradise, you'll find the Dead Candy page. And there you can see all of our podcasts, as well as a few shorts that Danny and I have put out. While you're there, please subscribe. And while you are listening here, go ahead and find yourself that rate and review button. Five stars is what we would love for you guys to give us. And you know what? If you can't think of anything to say in the review, why don't you go ahead and put some recommendations and or requests of horror movies that you would love for us to talk about. If you'd like to find out more information about Slasher's Paradise or Dead Candy, the producer of our show, you can head over to Facebook.com slash Dead Candy Fix. That's D-E-D, Candy Fix. Here's to you guys. This is Slasher's Paradise. Sorry, I had to work that in.
and I'm going to drink on that. 